Okay, so today we are talking about what happened on Ixalan. We're going back pretty far back if you've been following the magic story. But for me, this was a point where things really started to click and the Gatewatch was in full swing and, and Nicol Bolas was scheming in the background. We had not yet reached the War of the Spark, uh, but things were definitely building towards that direction. So we've got a lot of interesting things to cover in terms of where the plane was left, what we can expect to see next time we're there, and everything that happened on our first visit across two different sets. There was Ixalan and then Rivals of Ixalan, which kind of wrapped things up. So that's where we're at today. If you missed out on some of those earlier stories, you can check out my website, well, my YouTube channel, uh, which is Magic Arcanum, where we talk about the stories behind the cards. And although I do not have any episodes about Ixalan, I do have one covering Vraska, who is a major character in this story. And we talk about some of the events from Ixalan in her uh, recap video. So that's a great place if you're just genuinely curious about um, you know, magic and the story and who are these planeswalkers and what is going on in all these different places. I cover a lot of that. I don't have anything specific on Ixalan, which is why I'm excited to be here tonight talking about it uh, on this video. Uh, but yeah, like I said, head out to Magic Arcanum. Uh, there's also the Magic Arcanum website where I post blogs and some articles and stuff like that. Uh, or catch one of my live streams over on YouTube where we do thematic deck building uh, built usually around a story beat or a character or something like that. So we, we call those people Vorthos. If you're a Vorthos magic player and you love the story and the characters and that's what gets you excited for the latest release or whatever, I'm your guy. So come check it out. And of course, uh, most of you are familiar with me. Welcome, fellow adventurers. <laughs> this is comma number five here. Uh, from your CMD Tower team. Of course, you can always get at me on uh, Twitter, at number 5 I'll spell that except for 5. Uh, our primary account, which I, I co-manage uh, with Mr. T at CMD Tower. And, of course, in our amazing Discord, which we do have the general section opened up to anyone in the public, completely free. Uh, if you go to our link tree, you'll get the link to do it. So I hope to see you guys there. And before we get into the episode, uh, we just want to give a big shout out to our amazing patron community, uh, patreon.com slash same tower. Uh, you know, we have had to adjust some of our tiers a little bit just with the cost of everything of being a content creator nowadays. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I would eventually love to buy an M30 pack, but I, I think I, I might have to fake my own death to do so. Or That's a lot of content it, you got to make. You get, <laughs> for you make a real. lot of content to get one of those. But uh, for, you know, as little as $3, you know, you get full access into our Discord, plus you get our eternal thanks. But then the, you know, mm -hmm. tiers from 7 bucks on up actually does come with a lot of free swag. And we are doing a thing from now until the end of Thanksgiving. If you do join our Patreon community, you actually do get a discount into our Etsy store, which you'll get plugged in later uh, with some amazing stuff. So now if you're looking for more lore discussion, obviously mm -hmm. Ryan with Magic Arcanum's here. But Ryan, what are you guys actually talking about now or what maybe content soon to come that you're real excited for? So I am working on perhaps the most ambitious video I've ever done. It should oh. be ready later this week, but my computer keeps crashing every time I try to render it out. No. So I, I don't know how I'm going to, um, but I'm trying something different. We're, we're explaining what happened to the weather lights in Dominaria United. A lot of people were curious about that. It didn't really come up in the main story. It just showed up towards the end and it was Phyrexianized and they don't really get into how that happened. 
So I'm doing a, a special video covering that, but I'm doing it in a way that I've never done a Magic Arcanum before. So this is going to be all new, trying something very different, and hopefully that'll be live on Friday. But if my computer can't handle it, then I, I don't know. I might have I'll to delay that. But, but that's the plan is Friday, you'll get to find out what happened to the weather light. Oh, that's, that sounds like so much fun. Yeah. Well, today we are on the plane of Ixalan. Ryan thought that this would be a very cool plane to visit since it's been a hot minute since we've been there. We're about to enter the caves in a year and change, which is crazy yes. that we know sets that far in advance because we just get that many sets. That's why they have to do it. All right. Um, and we're going to go to the stories that Gift left hanging. Um, and if you're not familiar with the Where in the World uh, Multiverses Fibble Tip section, we do have three different ways that we do these episodes. Stories that get left hanging, which we're at now, which will all be about what was left maybe untold, where did the story end, and where do we think it could go? Uh, from there, we'll go to the unexplained omissions, maybe what story characters, planeswalkers that we thought should have appeared and probably didn't. And then we're going to wrap up the episode with my favorite section, which is tinfoil hat time. <laughs> and it's going to be all about what do we think could happen the next time we go, primarily in the story and whatnot. But that will even transpire into maybe some game mechanics that we think could come out based on hints that we have. So for the story that gets left hanging, you know, here's kind of the way I understand it, Ryan, as mm -hmm. a non-Vorthos magic player. Um I've played Magic for a long time, and so I just pick up on the story naturally as you go. And mm -hmm. I will say the story spotlight cards are always helpful. You know, it gives you the nice six to seven condensed version of just, eh, if you want Cliff Notes version of Cliff Notes, yeah. here you go. Um, and so Rivals of Ixalan is the last time we were on the plane. The Immortal Sun is destroyed. Ingrath goes home after 14 years because he could finally, uh, yeah. you know, play, uh, plane chase. Like, talk a little bit about that. Like, is, is was that something that the community and lore was begging for, for Angrath to finally get home? Is this going to be impactful, potentially? Angrath was an interesting character. He was somebody that you immediately rooted for once you got to know his story and you realized that he, he has children. I think he has two daughters and everyone's kind of picturing these two little toddler minotaurs you know uh with with the horns and and they're waiting for their dad and like he left the plane and he used to travel around the multiverse and collect gifts for his kids and he would jump back home and always show up with some treasure or something oh, from so some beautiful. far off world and one day daddy didn't come back and that's yeah. gotta be you know heart-wrenching for these sure. kids and they're wondering what happened and and where is he and he was so excited when the the immortal sun was gone and he finally his powers were unlocked again and he was just like ah see you later fools and he just <laughs> pieced right out and it was it was a very cathartic moment that he had wanted to get home to his kids for so long and finally he was able to and then we saw him again uh, a little while later in war of the spark right because the same item drew him back <laughs> and then locked him on a new plane and the frustration that must have been coursing through his mighty yeah. veins was palpable, right? So he, he thought he was finally done with this chapter and finally free to go around the multiverse again. And then he gets sucked right back into another conflict. Fortunately, that one only lasted like a day. War of the Spark yeah. took literally one day, which is crazy. <laughs> uh, but we haven't really seen or heard from him since then. So in, in my own headcanon, he has been resuming his 
his uh, shopping around the multiverse, making up for lost time. And the kids probably, uh, you know, before you go, dad, make sure you, you got to promise you're coming back this time, giving him a hard time about it. Yeah. And he's, he's just out there trying to be the best dad that he can. Um, so that's where he's at. Oh, man, that's pretty interesting. Uh, you know, real quickly, do you think, especially with Wizards push to try to be more inclusive with our characters, um, whether it be on card or in store, you know, definitely more uh, female representation, non-white representation, and even mm -hmm. LGBTQ. Yep. Do you think maybe this gives them an opening to bring his daughters in as characters? Like 14 years is a long time. And I could see almost where there's a fire and ice where maybe one is very hopeful and the other yeah. one's real pissed off at everything. Right. That's a great question. So the the interesting bit about that is that non-human planeswalkers in particular test poorly, I'm told, right? They don't really resonate with with players. They're they're less excited to open a card that like you said, representation is very important, but I don't think a lot of people see themselves as a minotaur. And they're like, oh, okay, Angrath's like cool, sure. but like he's not—he's probably very few people's favorite. And getting his children into the game would be cool. They'd probably be legendary creatures, right? They don't planeswalk, as far as we know. They don't have a spark, although that can run in the family. So seeing them as legends would be neat. But the only way that that happens is if we go to Angrath's home plane, and then we need something worthy going on there. And we sure. don't really know enough about where he's from or what's happening, but some conflict would have to be there because magic always has a conflict. And then if you're doing that story of conflict on the plane, what role do his kids play in that? Uh, and then it kind of becomes, how do they justify including these characters that, again, are probably not anybody's like real favorite. So there is some tension yeah. there in terms of design and telling the story and, and doing that. Where you could see it happen, though, is a side product like a commander deck or sure. commander legends sets or An something like that. Even. An unproduct um, could be it. Those are good ways to work in the characters who fans do want to see and hear from without them taking center stage in a major release like Caverns of Ixalan in you know, a year and a yeah. half, like you said. So no, it totally makes sense. So, you know, the next thing I kind of saw with the wrapping up of the story, obviously... Alinda, uh, just, mm -hmm. hey, that's a temple over there. And go yeah. over, what's in here? And she just moseys on out like, hey, what's up, everyone? I, I've been right. gone for a hot minute. How are you? And then Watley's all like, oh, we're fighting. And it's like, yeah. hey, I thought we were all friends and stuff. So yes. obviously, you know, Alinda showing up and kind of saying like, hey, I, I what the vampires, you know, what they're, oh, uh, let's call it their Creed, the, the way that they're living is not at all what I had meant when I went through my slumber or, you know, whatever she kind of went through. We were meant to guard the immortal sun, not use it for her own gain. And effectively, mm -hmm. her and the other two vampire legends uh, that she was with, they all decide to leave um, and go to the vampire king effectively to, right. I guess, try to figure out and right the wrongs. Like, what's going on with that? So what's one of the interesting things about Ixalan is that it is a story of several different tribes. And at the end, it wasn't just these guys won, these guys yeah. lost. The departure of the Golden Sun and the revelation of the lost city of Osraka really changes the landscape for all of the players in the story. And so for the vampires who, yeah, conquest was their thing. They, they were coming from a, a distant continent that we've not seen yet in our first two uh, visits to the well i mean one visit to the plane but two blocks yeah. two sets rather 
we haven't seen their home continent, right? They've been coming to this island and pushing in and trying to settle and and do all that, all in the name of their, you know, their their saints and their their patrons or whatever we're going to call it. And then to, to finally meet one of those vampires who's yeah. like, wait, you, you guys are not doing what I thought you were supposed to be doing. That exactly. is a really interesting tension. And we're going to see a ripple from that. I think we're going to see different factions, right? Uh, although we have not been to Ixalan in, in a set, we we did get Vito from a, a core set, and he is from Ixalan. So you do sometimes get characters in, in other sets. And so you know, based on his flavor text and some of the other supporting stuff, we know that there's going to be kind of a fracture uh, amongst the vampires and some are going to stay the course and mm-hmm. kind of disregard what uh, Alander said. And they're going to be like, no, she can't be right. We've been doing this for so long. We're, you know, this is our divine, yeah, our, our mandate and we're going to take over this Island. And like, that's how it's going to be. And there's going to be some other vampires who are going to say, uh, maybe not. Yeah. And so we might see more infighting. We might see some kind of splinter groups and we're going to get some interesting kind of politics now in what was once a very united, very forceful kind of driving force to see that kind of break apart from within is going to dramatically change the stories that get told when we go back. Oh, no, that, that's super interesting. So, you know, one of the, the last things that I, and obviously this will tie in very much to the last section of this episode, is, you know, Watley, final thing gets done. She goes mm-hmm. out, Zakama's just hanging out, I guess. And it's like, yeah. hey, we can kind of understand each other. Can I ride you like a <laughs> right. tauntaun on right. off? Yeah. Um, you know, and she effectively goes to the Empire to be like, hey, we need to like cool it. And they're like, nah, we want to, you, you can't talk. We have preventing you. You cannot speak. Right. Um, and we're going to continue to grow our reach and power. And so Watley, someone's like, okay, peace out. And like planes walks away, but it's like, I will return. What do you think that's going to evolve into? Because that's it's like the vampires are almost going into the civil war, like where we're kind of battling each other. But it even seems the humans are even mm-hmm. going to be a little battly once Watley comes back. It seems like there's just going to yeah. be chaos and civil war happening on Ixalan. I, I think you're right. And also in there are the, the merfolk who were kind yep. of guarding the lost city. And now their purpose is now called into question. And the pirates are just like out for a good time. So they're a real wild card. So they, they were all clashing and now they're all infighting. And like we said, it really changes the dynamics. Hwatley is a character I really like because she's a storyteller, right? And she's a poet and she's, she's very verbose and all of that. And for her home was this place. That was all she ever knew. She grew up there. She wanted to be important. She, she learned how to tell stories and it was a very celebrated role in her community contrast that to Angrath who didn't want anything to do with this place. He couldn't <laughs> wait to get out of here. His home is somewhere else yeah, and he will not out of here. be stopped. So that tension was really neat. And then now Huali is almost, almost kind of forced out and has to f- make her way and find new stories across the multiverse. Is she going to bring any of that back? Is she going to return and share what she learned? Will we see her again? I'd like to see her again. She's a cool character, but bringing her back to the plane where we've already seen her before also would feel a little cheap. Um, you know, I'd like to get some new blood on the island and, and mix things up a bit. So I don't know if we'll see Hwatley again, although she hasn't really been used for anything since mm-hmm. War of the Spark, where everybody showed up. 
So I don't know what they're keeping her on the bench for, right? She's got to go yeah. somewhere. And do you bring her home and make her part of the conflict again with trying to be the voice of reason and help everybody chill? Or do you let her go somewhere else and kind of become the new Tamio because we're going to need a new Tamio and maybe she's going to start logging stories elsewhere. I really don't know. Super interesting. <laughs> Well, is there anything else you felt like we needed to add from like a wrapping up the end of Rivals of Ixalan story wise or maybe things that you were like, man, I really wish we would have like elaborated more here. Anything that the collective should know about? Well, so there's one other character who is still out there as far as I can remember, and that's Azor, right? The guy oh, who founded okay. um, the Azorius Guild on Ravnica, and then he mm-hmm. went to Ixalan to kind of set the trap for Nicol Bolas. The whole plan was to bring him there and trap him with that immortal sun, and Azor gave up his spark and, and built the immortal sun in order to do that, and then... That has been taken away, but Azor is still there, and he was kind yeah. of living at the Lost City, and then Jace was like, yeah, go go hang out on uh, Useless Island, I think is, is what it was called. And uh, so now Azor is just kind of still around, but I don't know like what they can do with that, right? Like He was an all-powerful character, very wise, very patient, all the great hallmarks of somebody who could be like scheming something in the background yeah. and is going to swoop in, but the fact that the next set is called caverns of Ixalan. You don't usually think of like a, of a flying Sphinx looking guy getting no. up into a cavern, but again, I don't know. Um, but he was just kind of the one loose end there that I was really curious to see if he comes back in the story. They also in the, in the final published story after the, the real chapters were done, they did publish like, not not dreams, but it was like alternate endings, right? Yeah, Where I if other that. people had like recovered the the disc and and mm-hmm. you know got to the city first, and that was like a neat thing that they haven't really done since. But it was so perfect for that world because you had the different factions all vying for the same thing and seeing yeah. how it would have turned out was kind of neat. But none of those stories really count; they're not canon. Sure. So. So it'll be interesting to see if any of that's like referenced or comes back in some way, but it it just felt like more of a, Hey, here's some bonus story that could have happened, but didn't really, but here, if you want to read more, here's more to read. So it was just kind of a weird thing, but probably what wizards did is they're like, Hey, this multiverse thing's real big. Let's put Mm -hmm. out this stuff like a decade ago or however long ago was five, six years. And well, when we're ready to do the multiverse, we'll be like, Hey, remember that stuff that wasn't Canon. It's all Canon. Right. Right. Oh, man. Well, uh, I think that'll wrap up stories that get left hanging. Uh, before we head over to the unexplained omissions, we would love for you guys to check out our Etsy store. Uh, just go to Etsy.com, type in CMD Tower in the search bar. You'll see our Jun's holiday sweaters. It is coming up winter, and these things are like 100% like cold cotton. It's like the softest thing you'll ever wear. Uh, but of course, we have our foil play mats and all the other good accoutrements. And of <laughs> course, just like our Patreon, Everything you guys are doing there helps get this channel up and running. It helps us elaborate, bring on new guests, be able to help the content grow bigger and bigger. And just like we've mentioned on past casts, we are going to be at Magic 30, uh, the entire CMD Tower team, minus Marketing Ross. Uh, He has one of those, uh, what you would call we ones that he has to uh, take care Mm. of. Uh, But, you know, we'll all be there in Vegas. And (laughs) honestly, the things that you guys do in the store and at Patreon is how we can afford to do those things. So if you're interested in helping us out or need something like even card sleeves, Etsy.com, search for CMD Tower. Now for unexplained omissions. I'm going to be honest. um, I'm not as familiar with Ixalan 
as I am with other planes, like, you know, Ravnica and Dominaria and Zendikar. It's like, sure. gosh, can we go to other stuff? But finally, we have one that we haven't been to a lot, and it's like, I don't know a ton. So I guess I would like to lob a generic question and then kind of hear some of the things that you thought should have been there. But when I think of Ixalan and the fact that they were kind of doing this thing to hopefully be a trap for Bolas and all of that, Mm-hmm. Are you kind of surprised that we didn't like see like a, I mean, I know technically Veraska was kind of like a Bolas henchman or henchwoman. Um, yep. But I always felt in other stories where Bolas was sending out people to do stuff, they were insanely powerful, yep. like card wise and in the story. Were you a little surprised that we didn't have like a S tier bad guy <laughs> sent from Bolas to kind of come in and help Veraska get this done? So I think that this part of his plan was perhaps one of the most risky bits, and he didn't want one of his better henchmen to potentially get stuck there because then he wouldn't have any way to get them back. So he had to weigh risk versus reward and choosing a disposable lackey like Vraska, who he could promise whatever to because he might never have to deliver on it. Um, and, and if she comes through, great. And if not, she can be replaced and he can just keep throwing warm bodies at this until someone brings him what he needs. So yeah. keeping Tezzeret in reserve and keeping some of his other, you know, chess pieces, is, yeah. you, you don't throw the, the, the queens and the rooks out into the center of the battlefield, right? You keep those in reserve and you let the pawns go first. And he, I think, very smartly used Vraska as his pawn. Unfortunately, he got, I mean, to carry the metaphor further, he got checkmated by Ugin, who had put it into Jace's mind that if anything ever went wrong, he would kind of default to Ixalan of all places because Ugin was part of the original trap and worked with Azor to get that all set up. So they worked so out it- in, in, in one of Magic's great uh, kismets or whatever where you had Veraska and Jace both arrive there with very different goals, but they end up working together in, in like a peanut butter jelly level, two things that go great together, but really yeah. have no business being anywhere near each other. That, and that created one of the best romances, one of the best character development moments. Yeah. So for everything working out the way it did, I'm glad that uh, Bolas went with Veraska. Ultimately it ended up being kind of his, his downfall, but, at the same time, he couldn't risk anyone better because it was a very dangerous job. Yeah, I loved that whole story with Jason Verasco, where it's like he lost the memory and effectively collective the flood of recollection card yep. uh, that happens. And like Verasco starts to absorb like just by blowback all of these memories and she gets overwhelmed. But, yep. you know, Jason gets it all. And then it's kind of this decision of do I stay like my kind of. I don't know if I want to call him good or evil or in between, but we'll just say the more badass version of Jace. Mm-hmm. Or do we want yeah. to be this kinder, uh, you know, more considerate Jace that Brad right. has come, come to know and respect and care for? Um, and I loved the the interaction between it where Vraska gives him this look and he's like trying to figure out what decision he wants to be. And he's like, I want to I want to be the new me. I'm not trying to be my old self. And I thought that was some powerful writing and storytelling there. And it's not a coincidence that Jace, the iconic blue mage, goes through the most personal growth on an island, right? Like, that's such a cool nod to the game and, like, the mechanics and flavor all coming together that 
he was really able to find himself and that was the perfect environment for him to do that so yeah that's, that's uh, any that. other characters you think should have appeared in Ixlon or maybe because I I will say this uh, Ryan I was reading when I was doing my research it seemed like the community especially the Vorthos community was very mm-hmm. upset with the Ixlon block they felt like it wasn't very fleshed out it seemed like they felt that there was gaps in the story um did any of that resonate with you or did there seem like man how in the world did this character not show up like you guys should yeah. drop the ball so we did get some reprieve to that right in the commander Legends stuff where characters like breaches and malcolm and mm-hmm. people who were part of raska's crew because we spent a lot of time on her ship and meeting these other characters and they weren't in the set at the time. And I think that was a bit of an oversight from right. And they, whereas now if you look at like Dominaria United has tons of legendary characters in it and almost every one of them appears in either the main story or the side stories. Yeah. So I think they've gotten a little bit better at understanding if we tell a tale about a character, they kind of need to be in the set as a card. Otherwise people are going to not appreciate that. So that was kind of the last era of, we'll talk about somebody, but never actually let you sleeve them up and play with them. They've gotten better about that. Um, But as far as, you know, weird things in the story that didn't sit right with me, the, the sudden appearance of the elder dinosaurs, that always kind of rubbed me a weird way in that they, they kind of broke out of the, the assigned colors, right? Dinos, each tribe had its own, group of colors right the the pirates were red blue and black and the dinosaurs were red green and white but then we got a legendary blue one and a legendary black one just because they needed a five color cycle of legendary dinosaurs for some reason and they had to be elders because we've only ever had elder dragons but these are elder dinosaurs isn't that fascinating we're never going to tell you what that means or how these guys got to be elder dinosaurs or how old they really are or where they came from but now you have elder dinosaurs. Isn't that great? And I remember seeing the cards and being like, I would have preferred these to be characters from the story. Sure. And not just we've reached the gold city at the end and uh, dinosaurs. Away. And like, what, what is happening? Like, why? It's like you guys might as well printed a John hand card and just been like, welcome to Jurassic Park. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It was a little on the nose there. And the we- weird part, a lot of times it'd be like, well, we wanted to put some cool build arounds in there for commander, but like the black legendary dinosaur only does this thing when he's in your hand. And like, there was just, they were not even good for commander is what I'm saying. So I don't know. Those felt very tacked on and just kind of like, Oh, we need a cycle of something cool. Let's make it dinosaurs, but they don't really exist in all five colors. Ah, who cares? No one's paying attention. I was paying attention. I was paying attention. (laughs) So that that's it. Okay. Well, I mean, I I could totally see how that would be frustrating, especially like when you gave some very real examples like Malcolm and Breaches. They're ones that are very prominent in the story, yet you chose not to give them cards, yet you chose to make up non colored (laughs) dinosaurs that, you know, the black and blue one. And and you're right, the black one's unplayable in Commander as the general. (laughs) I I think I do run it in one deck uh, for like Persian. But then the blue one even is like, I have some friends that are into the card, but to me personally, it's just like, I don't know. It feels like a lot of man and a lot of hoops for very little payoff. It just seemed like once again, they were like, we needed the blue one, print as many things as we can on the card and people will just buy it. It's Um, a a control finisher, right? So it'll go in some blue, white, something to fairy dinosaur or whatever. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Well, uh, we're about to head over to the 
funnest, most exciting part of the episode. But before we do, we'd love for you to check out abyssproxyshop.com, especially as we joked about with Magic 30 and the cost of very expensive cards. Uh, you know, it, sometimes you just need a more affordable way to get a card. Maybe you own a single copy. Like, that's a thing that we do in our play group. As long as you own one, you can have as many proxy playtest yeah. versions of the card as you'd like. Very much the Magic Online philosophy for Commander. Mm. So, you know, abyssproxyshop.com, if you use code TMD Tower, you get a discount off your order. You also are going to be able to be spending 3 to $5 to get some very, very nice quality playtest cards. And a big thing, if you guys find any of the CMD Tower crew in Vegas and play us in the Commander game, we actually will have special CMD Tower proxy playtests of Command Tower with some special art, a special back. It's going to be very, very cool. So if you guys need a playtest proxy for your expensive cards, abyssproxyshop.com code CMD Tower. Now, we're going to cool. head over to that's the... Like a little, that's a little scavenger yeah. hunt. They can find you and battle you and like claim a Absolutely. bounty. I love that. Absolutely. Cool. Well, because I mean, let's be honest, Collective. If you guys find me, you're all going to gang up against me anyways. So I might as well at least right. put a prize out there for you guys to, to get. Sure. <laughs> well, we are on to the tinfoil hat. Next time we visit Ixalan, who do you think will encounter yeah. characters, sparks, igniting, etc.? So I have a litany hmm. of things that I put down because, like I said, there wasn't a lot that I saw in the story that I was like, well, I don't know why this person or character isn't there. But there's a lot right. of stuff the way that ended. It's like, okay, where could we be going the next time we come back? So we, we have okay. what a do you little got? cheat because we know that we're going caves. It's going to be somewhat underground. Yeah. So I think sure. from an overall game mechanic, I just think this was an excuse to do more dungeon stuff. Not a whole lot of lore. <laughs> don't get a lot of spend a lot of time there. But you know it's going to be dungeons. Or sorry, they'll do another sub variant of dungeons in it, you know, that and it'll be caves. Okay. Okay. What are you finding in these caves? Is it is it like the dungeon card where you go through different rooms and each room has like a little treasure thing? Is that what you're well, proposing? Kind of think about it from like the new Capenna where you go to the Undercity. How they basically created uh -huh. a dungeon effect. They just called it a different thing and gave it a new mechanic name, but it's the same thing. If you venture, okay, you still move through the Undercity. So now I think we're gonna right. have caves. We'll have probably a few. I would hope. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, definitely it would be the basics. Treasure, clue, lose a life, or gain a life. But I think with Ixalan, you'll be able to have maybe some fun in there with, like, maybe we have, like, little dinosaur tokens. Like, I know it was in a Commander product, but there's the cat dinosaurs. Okay. Um, yeah. You can have something that creates that. And then the payoffs, I think it would be really cool if the payoffs were something related to the Immortal Sun and the Golden Sun. Like some effects that okay. it had, you would get those types of effects till the end of turn once you completed the cave. Um, because okay. that's a big thing that I have. My first question, I yeah. want to say it was on some card art. It wasn't actually in Ixalan, to my knowledge, but it the art itself was on Ixalan, and it was like a bowl, and the text talked about Phyrexia. And it talked about how, like, the black ooze was starting to permeate back into the plane. Gotcha. Um, that yeah, there'll be a Phyrexian influence with, specifically, the extinguished sun. Bringing it back is almost like a complete artifact. Like, I think Wizards is all in on this Phyrexian thing. And I just think we're going to get yeah. it peppered throughout all the future sets. What do you think about the extinguished sun being Phyrexia? Uh-huh. 
Well, I think that the card you're remembering was really a reference to like dinosaurs becoming oil. And it it wasn't like a Phyrexian in oil. It was more like ExxonMobil gas station oil is what I believe that they have tried to clarify the joke. I also think a lot of the Phyrexian story stuff is going to be done when we get really? back to Eldraine and Ixalan. I feel like the next four sets are Phyrexian and then, then we're probably done with that 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 arc will be complete (laughs) not complete but complete (laughs) uh one way or the other so there might be some lingering you know that maybe they tried to get to this plane but for whatever reason they couldn't make it work and maybe there are some pockets or something just so that you know if you still have a phyrexian deck in standard and you want a few more cards for it maybe we'll find i don't know some skeleton remains buried in the caverns yeah, uh, but as far as them really getting a foothold there and becoming another, because I don't think that that plane needs another faction or tribe uh, going on there. It's already kind of crowded between pirates, dinosaurs, with humans, merfolk, and uh, everybody vampires. else. Tr- yep. Vampires trying to also fit Phyrexians on top of all of that might just kind of take away from what makes Ixalan special already. Um, so I'm not saying that you're definitely wrong, but I, I would be very surprised if the Phyrexians have a meaningful presence on that plane. That's fair. That's fair. All right. You know, uh, second at bat, left using a sports ball reference. Uh, so one of the beautiful things with the way that they ended Rivals of Ixalan was one of the last things is Watley plane chasing away um, and seeing Sahili. And uh-huh. I guess they eventually developed a, ro- a romantic relationship together. Yep. So what I'm thinking is Watley always said, I'm going to come back. So I believe she is going to make an appearance. Now, if they keep up with how sets and stories are today, Mm -hmm. uh, the caverns will be a self-enclosed story. They aren't going to do a block. Um, So if we assume that, Watley has to show up, I would think. And I believe she'll bring Sahili with her. My question is, Sahili does bring Aether. And mm-hmm. kind of that artificer artifact style. Do you think we could actually see a artifact theme more weaved in Caverns of Ixalan because of Sahili's visit to the plane with Watley? That's a good uh, insight. I, I think the caverns themselves, the, the titular caverns, will probably contain some sort of treasure or artifact or history or something in there that now everybody wants a new source of power, a new sure. MacGuffin. And so we'll probably find, yeah, it'll either be treasure tokens again or some other new thing. You could also have Huatli be there and she could bring um, Sahili. And Sahili, as a planeswalker, might care about artifacts in general, the same way that Karn does right now, right? He makes power stones, even though there's not really any other way to use them or do anything with them in standard today. The next couple sets, Brothers War, probably going to build on that. So that artifact theme will linger and they like to have the sets that are near each other overlap at least just a little bit. So I could see a continuation of that artifact theme. I think the treasures of the caverns will probably be artifacts, whether they are clues to something or or maybe it's a food. Maybe there's food, there's dinosaur eggs that everyone's cracking open and making omelets out of. And Sahili being an artifact driven planeswalker might have some mechanical synergy with whatever the the token or thing is i think that's a great one i will answer back with uh raising the stakes on this one not only will sahili be there i bet she is going to make some robot dinosaurs 
some life-crafted dinosaurs because that's what she did, right? She mimics whatever she sees in real life. She can make an artifact replica of it. And that means we can have a Megazord. She can make five dinosaur robots that can connect and can become, you know, the next uh, Mecha Colossus thing. So it's, yeah, it's so be that good. actually was going to be the next question. <laughs> Do you think we'll see a new elder, elder dinosaur? <laughs> um, Wizards has this obsession now. Um, mm-hmm. Five colors. They seem to put a five color legend in every single set. Yeah. Could we realistically see this be a five color dinosaur? That maybe Sahili has an influence in it. Maybe she doesn't, but maybe that gives more right. of that. Well, how the hell did they become elder? Like, why did they just kind of get thrown in? Do you think that yeah. can I think that that's a very reasonable thing. I think that since that plane already has the three color things going and they've already kind of br- broken some of those uh, fences before, especially when you remember that this one is coming out right up against Eldraine, right? We're going back to Eldraine where they have a much more singular color focus kind of a thing with the, the mm. adamant mechanic. And it was all about the courts. And this time we're going into the wilds, which I don't want to ruin our next episode. If we ever talk about Eldrain. but I think that that's another trick that they like to do, right? They'll have a world where it's very single color and then hard pivot to something with multicolor. And then they're going to even go all the way up to five. So that way, whatever type of player you are, yeah. you'll have a set or two within standard that you go, okay, I like the multicolored stuff. I want to go all in at five colors and domain and all that. Nope, I'm more of a one or two color kind of a guy, and I, I want mono red, and, and that's what, you know, Theros with devotion, and that's what Eldraine with adamant. And we have we have worlds that can support both. So I, I expect that you're right. I think either a four or five color, something huge, Elder Dino, maybe this guy gets a spark and we get our first planeswalking, talking oh, dinosaurs <laughs> or something, you know, just to break up the dragons. Because we've sure. got some planeswalker dragons already, but we've not seen like a Triceratops stomping around through Ravnica <laughs> asking where the good bakery is. Like that would be hilarious. And um, so that's one so- direction they could go. One question I have for you, being more of a lore champion, um, those the, the five color push by Wizards, yeah. have you seen that influence the story at all? Or do you see that purely influencing the card and it's just like the character might be important or nobody may even care? Like, what, what have you seen with the push of the five color? The story as a whole doesn't really get into the colors the way that the cards do, right? Like... Nissa doesn't wake up and join the gate watch for breakfast and say, boy, it's great day to be a green mage or anything like they understand there are different types of magic. And like Liliana knows that her stuff works best on Innistrad, but she can't articulate why it's not because it's rich in black mana. She'll never say that, but she feels at home there. Yeah, because we know it's a very dark place. Like it all makes sense to us as outside observers, but the people in the story, even somebody like Joda, who has mastered all magics, I don't think he ever says, "I know all five colors, guys." Like <laughs> it just doesn't do that. Yeah. Um, but the best representation I think I've seen in the story is probably Niv Mizzet when he went from being the Is it Perun with red and blue, and he was killed and reborn as the the new guild packed version of himself where he was all five colors and the war of the spark stories are bad you know i'm not not changing that um 
but that was one part that I was like, okay, he is, he has leveled up. He is now doing stuff that he could not do even as a very smart fire breathing dragon. Yeah. There was still a limit. And now that he's got all five colors coursing through his scales or whatever, he clearly is fighting on, he's now taking on the eternalized gods, right? He fights yeah. uh, Kefnet, I think, uh, and like wins. And like, okay, that is like cool. That definitely shows a, okay. a progress of his character. It matches the cards. Um, that was like kind of a, a neat way to like embrace the color identity without explicitly saying, now that Niv-Mizzet has all five colors, he can beat <laughs> an elder god. Like the, I would have just deleted now that he my ebook at that forest. point. The sea, the trees, right. the swamps, the mountains. Right. All of Ravnica surged through his leathery wings. No. Um, so that's it. So they don't they don't really say it in the stories, but you can feel it. If you know what you're looking yeah. for, the characters do behave in a way that the, the colors matter. And uh, I like that. I'd like to see more of that. Yeah, that, that sounds really cool. Well, I think that wraps up the questions I had for Tinfoil Hat. Is there anything that you, because I don't know if you've ever done this. Like, I know a lot of lore people a lot of times are like, no, let me live within the story that I have because mm. hypothesizing will make my brain explode. Right. Um, is there anything that you really hope that we see that maybe I didn't talk about? So my favorite thing is magic's greatest strength is it's a multiverse. And we've got characters who can jump between whole distinct worlds and so it's really cool to see the fish out of water on that scale. I like it when we get someone who has no business being on a desert island with treasure everywhere. Sure. Like like if Ral Zarek is there with like his lightning gauntlets, like, what is this place? Where where can I get a coffee? This is dumb. I'm going home. Anakin, I hate sand. Right, right. Like that to me is a thing that only magic can do. And they don't do it nearly enough because they tried with the original Innistrad and Tamio was in there. If you remember that and everybody opened that booster pack and they're like, she doesn't look like anybody else on Innistrad. This, this makes me uncomfortable. I don't like this. She yeah. shouldn't be here. It doesn't fit with the, uh, the vibe. And you're like, no, the whole point is that she doesn't fit. She's an outsider. She's from a whole different world, but she can come here if she wants to. That's the beauty of it. And everyone's like, no, I want more vampires and uh, spooky ghosts and not, yeah. not this moon folk looking weirdo. That doesn't doesn't fit. And you're like, it's not supposed to fit. So that's what I want from Ixalan. Like if they just give us Hwatley again, like, OK, like she's interesting and I want to see her. But she's already been there. Give me somebody different. Give me somebody who's going to really bump up against those tribes and like really find something to complain about. Like Soren, if Soren was there with those oh vampires, like yeah. he'd be like, this is very different from my vampires on Innistrad. Yeah. What, what the hell's gotten into you guys? I thought my brood, my bloodline was crazy. And you guys are like actual maniacs. This is this is crazy. Like that would be neat, right? Like. So that's what I want. I don't think we're going to see Soren on Ixalan, sadly. But <laughs> like, he'd be a great, great guy to just throw in there, just for chaos' sake, you know. Yeah, and not no, in I, like I, the Tybalt chaos way, but like a you know a story driven, yeah, a fun chaos way. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, that that actually sounds so. I, I love that the way that you think about that because, to be honest, I think most people in the lore community would say like what you kind of said, like, well, it doesn't make sense. Why right. would they be there? And I like how you're like, well, I know that you'd be able to write it to make sense. Let's right. just figure out what character we just want to put in. Like, you just want to throw, uh, like you said, it'd be like throwing Karn in Eldraine. I don't think Karn was ever there. 
Like, right. that'd just be weird. Like, right. why did you end up there? Like, why Garouk was on Eldraine? And right. even though I, his story kind of sucked, but <sighs> it was just like, hey, there's this guy. Oh, is he hunting planeswalkers? Tune in right. next week. Right. Uh, so, uh, no, that that's really cool. Uh, anything else you think would be interesting to see come up before we wrap up the episode? I mean, like I said, I, I want my Megazord, and I think Dinosaur Robots with Saheeli behind it is is likely, and I'm going to champion for that as hard as I can. That's Well, all and to be fair, Ryan, uh, they are making Transformers part of just the art in the set coming up, so That's maybe true. it is Megazord or, Volt- or Voltron or Voltron something like something. that. something. There's got to be something. Got to be. Well, everyone, thanks for tuning in to an exciting episode of Where in the Multiverse is Fibblefit. Turns out it was Ixalan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Mr. Commodore 5, and you can always get at me at Twitter, at Mr. Commodore 5, all spelled out except for 5. Of course, our primary account at CMD Tower, and our amazing Discord. So if you hit up our link tree, you can join for free. And you can also watch Magic Arcanum. That's a good use of your time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will see you at the next Multiversal Destination Planeswalker. Yeah. Yeah.